This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Oh, my goodness, Buccaneer fans. I really believed up until the final play by the Cleveland Browns on a fourth and ten and a touchdown that I was going to be in here saying victory Monday edition for the Nothing But Bucks podcast, even in overtime with the greatest of all time, Tom Brady at the controls. I'm still thinking you're good. You're going to get an overtime win. As ugly as it might have been in the fourth quarter in overtime, you're still going to get the victory. But no victory Monday today because the Browns, they did what they had to do. You credit them. You also blame the Buccaneers for not finishing the game with multiple opportunities to do so in the fourth quarter in Cleveland. Believeland, they kept believing and they won the game 23-17 on the Nick Chubb touchdown that has damaged the Buccaneers. Uh, To what extent, we don't know yet, but it's damaged the Buccaneers' psyche for sure coming off the weekend, coming off the bye week. A disappointing Sunday evening as it turned out. Uh, The season not over. Clearly not over. You've still got a chance to win games. You've still got a chance to win the division. But I can totally understand the frustration with how many more bad teams are you going to let beat you and cost you here at the end of this season when you want to win the division, when you want to be in the playoffs, You can't keep losing to the Steelers and the Panthers. I know the Panthers have won a couple of games since we saw them last, and they beat the Buccaneers, but they're not good. They're in disarray. They've got an interim coach. They're just playing musical chairs at quarterback. I know they won again yesterday, but you can't lose that game 21-3. With the talent the Bucs have, that that game was an eye-opening loss. This this on Sunday is an eye-opening loss to a 3-7 Cleveland team that I know they beat the Bengals badly on Monday Night Football back a few weeks ago, but you look time and again at how in the second half they've blown games. They're not very good. They they have basically Miles Garrett, and that's about it on defense. They have Nick Chubb, and that's about it on offense. They're finally going to get Deshaun Watson back. But in the end, give Jacoby Brissett credit. He made throws. He made plays. David Njoku, the former Miami tight end, an incredible one-handed catch. Give Cleveland credit, but still, if you're the Buccaneers and you want to be a playoff team, if you don't end up winning the division, and I still believe this team will end up winning the division, by the way, you've got two head-to-head home games with New Orleans and Carolina that should be wins. And I know the chicken little sky is falling Buccaneer bandwagon, you know, now I'm going to empty off the bandwagon and get rid of my Tom Brady Super Bowl jersey because you lose to Cleveland types are going to say well you're not going to beat the Saints you're not going to beat the Panthers at home okay uh we'll see now can you go to San Francisco and win are you going to beat Cincinnati who's really good uh at home those are question marks but the remaining games with the likes of the Saints and Carolina at home are definitely winnable but you're going to look back on not beating the Clevelands and the Carolinas and the and the Steelers before if you can't get to a ninth win or a tenth win to win the division Right now, you're at 5-6. and six. All right, so more on the outlook coming up, but that's why this stings even more. This was a winnable game, a game you were winning in the fourth quarter, and you didn't finish it off. So anyway, uh, let's get into it. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving weekend, got plenty to eat, uh, etc. I had actually traveled from the Tampa Bay area to work the Alabama-Auburn College Football Iron Bowl. Tiki Barber, brother of Rondé, and I worked that game and saw Alabama uh, win again over Cadillac Williams, former Buccaneer running back, star running back. Rookie of the Year running back. Uh, Now the interim coach at Auburn until they make a new coaching hire. So I was there with Cadillac and Auburn playing against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I got uh, got back to Atlanta late Saturday night to fly back from Atlanta to Cleveland. Rainy in Atlanta. Rainy Sunday morning, all morning in Cleveland. I was looking at this going, man, oh man, as the the guy on the sideline for Buccaneers Radio with Gene and Dave, this is going to be an awful Sunday of rain, rain, rain. But luckily it rained a bunch early morning and then kind of moved out for much of the rest of the game so the weather the weather not really a factor i know as much had been made about the field and the and the uh the guy that broke in that vandalized the field with the golf cart the footing was not horrible on that end of the field either even with the with the rain they had had the field uh tarped up until about 11 a.m two hours before the game so not a problem in terms of footing etc and yet the uh, the end result here is the the bucks had this right in front of them the Bucks played well uh, in the conditions, well enough, especially defensively, well enough to have the lead and just could not uh, finish this one off. So it was it was definitely frustrating. All right, so let me set the table. And by the way, thank you for finding us here on Nothing But Bucks. We come your way in the recap mode on the day after games. 
Typically, that's on Monday after Sunday games. Obviously, a Monday night game with the Saints coming next week. So we will be here on Tuesday uh, after that uh, game. And again, uh, the hope will be that the Buccaneers are able to come up with a win and be 6-6 six and six at that point and be in good shape for the stretch run for the final five games to try to win the division. More on that later on in the podcast. But anyway, we're here the day after games. Uh, thank you. Uh, you found us on the Buccaneers mobile app on Buccaneers.com, a social media link. You can follow or subscribe to this podcast as well. Nothing but Bucks. Anywhere you get podcasts, go and look for it. Recap mode, you'll get the highlights upcoming from Gene and Dave as we chronologically go through the game. I give you insight, I give you analysis. You hear post-game interviews on the Hooters post-game show coverage on Buccaneers Radio. We bring those back here. Sometimes I have special guests with me that give you more insight and analysis. All of that is on this recap podcast. Nothing but Bucks. So make sure that you're here after all of the Buccaneer games. Okay, all of that being said, I've set the stage for you. The Buccaneers off the bye week had won in Germany, had won back-to-back games. And look, I said this on the front end after the win in Germany. You almost wish that the bye week had not come. I know you want to rest up and get healthy and et cetera, et cetera. But when you put those back-to-back wins, the crazy, fantastic ending to the Rams game where you hadn't played well, but especially on offense, but you won that game. Then you played a pretty complete game and beat the Seahawks in Germany. You wanted to play again the next week. Keep the momentum going. Start stacking the wins like you hear talked about all the time. Well, that didn't happen. You went into a bye week. You took the week off, and uh, you wondered how this would look. Well, early on, it did not look good in Cleveland, especially when the Browns put their opening drive uh, together in this game. Right off the bat, the Browns are able to move the football and go right down the field. Uh, 78 yards here, and here as we get into the highlights is the capping play on a little trickery. Again, the shotgun look. Chubb on the right hip. Here's the snap inside handoff. It's a double reverse. Running to the right. They got running room. Inside the 30 to the 20-yard line. To the 15 to the 10. Touchdown, Cleveland Browns. Reverse, double reverse, and Anthony Swartz takes it 30-plus yards for the touchdown. 31 yards on a double reverse. Caught the Buccaneers looking Again, you're so conscious of Nick Chubb that he ends up uh, on the reverse. They get the ball to Flash Schwartz, as he's known. Anthony Flash Schwartz out of Auburn, uh, one of the fastest players in the Southeastern Conference, showed why. Has now been in the NFL a couple years. He is uh, regarded as such a speedy player. Got around the end, got the touchdown. Cleveland's crowd's in the game. They're feeling good right now at 7 to nothing, and you're looking around going, is this... Is this going to really happen again here? Because remember, in Germany, the Bucks led 14-0 at halftime, eventually led 21-3. You were in command of that game. So you're not in command early on here, but eventually you would be uh, able to get back control of this game in the first quarter. Buccaneers go back on offense uh, here for their uh, first possession, or actually go on offense for the first time in the game. Uh, for their, oh, actually, you know what? It was not the first time uh, in the game because both teams had punted. So the Bucks back on offense, as I said. Get back here with a 75-yard drive in nine plays. Rashad White, the rookie who had the 100-yard game and, a, and really a breakout nationally game uh, in Germany in the standalone game on the NFL Network. Rashad White getting the start because Leonard Fournette had the injured hip. A hip pointer suffered in Germany, still not well enough to play. The hope is that he will be well enough to practice this week and play against the Saints. Might, might have to wait another week and not be available to the San Francisco game. Hip pointers are painful. Uh, they are they are something that just takes time. I know our uh, analyst Dave Moore, the former 15-year tight end in the NFL, he said he had them a couple of times, and they are usually three- to four-week injuries. So that would put you right around the Saints Monday night game, if not the 49er game, depending on the severity of it. So... Fournette not there, Rashad White was there, and early on he had a big run. Snap on first down, hand the ball off, and Rashad Bailey across the 40, to the 50, outside the numbers, to the 40, to the 35. Rashad White's longest run of his career, longest run of the season by a Buccaneer. Rashad White. Longest run of the season there at 35 yards for Rashad White. But unfortunately, I mean, this will be the theme for later on. It, you didn't have much else running the football the rest of the game. That was by far the best run play. It only goes to reinforce it's not just the running back. Again, for the keyboard warriors, for the talking heads, and anybody that's been blaming Leonard Fournette as the biggest reason why the run game's not working, uh, number seven was nowhere on the field on Sunday. The Cleveland Browns are a 3-7, basically nondescript defense. But if you scheme it up well, 
If you stack the line of scrimmage, if you're winning against blockers like they were, you're going to have trouble running the football if you don't adjust. If you don't get guys blocked and you don't vary it up and you don't check out of plays, uh, again, this, a lot of this is on Tom Brady with two plays in the huddle, uh, et cetera, uh, and then to make adjustments that when you see seven or eight guys right up at the line of scrimmage on an inside run play that you have called and you're going to go ahead and try to run it anyway with an offensive line that's not overly physical, hmm, just uh, not good enough as the game went on. But you know what? That didn't matter on the opening drive because eventually the Buccaneers would move into scoring position here after White's run. They get a couple of first downs. They get inside the 10, and here is the first touchdown of the day. Brady shotgun, look White on his right hip. Good snap, looks up field, looks up field, throws it throws the ball to the left side, caught ball of the three, 2-1, touchdown of flag thrown. Flag thrown, but a touchdown by Gus Godwin. And let's see if that's going to be defensive pass interference. It's defensive, defensive pass interference. So the, the, no, no, decline the penalty. The touchdown catch by Godwin he is good. His second game in a row, he's caught a touchdown. Pass I think Chris Godwin is back. Defense. And what that a dart throw by Tom fly. Brady. Part of a 12-catch day for Chris Godwin in this one. And he looks, folks, more like Chris Godwin that we have seen throughout his career. Had the ACL injury roughly a year ago at the end of November. Didn't have surgery till January. From everything the medical people tell us and those rehabbing, et cetera, orthopedists will tell you this, that is a 9- to 12-month situation before you are back to close to what you used to be. They can, you know, rehabilitate, strengthen, but it really is about the one-year mark. Well, we're now at the one-year mark. And remember, even Chris had a hamstring problem with the same leg uh, in Dallas in the first game of the season. And that, that sidelined him for another two or three games at the beginning of the year, so that's setting back a little more. But Chris Godwin in Germany, Chris Godwin two weeks later in Cleveland, is showing explosiveness off the line, the ability to get down the field and beat people uh, in, um, in coverage with, you know, put a foot in the ground and cut and, and explode out of the cut. He looks like the Chris Godwin that we've seen, and he's become a primary target the last couple of weeks of Tom Brady because of it. So he got the touchdown. The flag was obviously on the Browns there in that instance, and the game is now 7-7. So the game progresses uh, here as we go through the highlights with Cade York ending up getting a long field goal. York would later on another drive miss another field goal. This is while the Buccaneers were still struggling even after the touchdown. Three and out uh, on the drive after the field goal. Later three and out again after the Browns had punted. After the missed field goal, the Buccaneers finally put a bit of a drive together with Brady again finding Godwin. Um, and again, uh, moving things into scoring range, and that eventually would lead to a tying field goal right here. The mark of the holder, the spot is down, the kick is airborne. Ryan Suckup has tied the game at 10-10. 39 seconds remain. Ryan Suckup boots that one through to give the Buccaneers a 10-10 tie. 42 yards out for Suckup, who has led the NFL in scoring, coming into at least... Uh, week number 12 here was leading the NFL in scoring. He knocks that one through. Uh, the Browns had one more chance before halftime and threw the Hail Mary in the end zone that Mike Edwards ended up uh, picking off. So you knew you were going to get the ball to start the second half. And one thing in talking with Todd Bowles at halftime, he complimented Chris Godwin and he said, hey, on defense, we got to be better at not giving Jacoby Brissett time to throw the ball. That would be a factor as we go through the highlights in a few minutes. But another guy that had been quiet, Mike Evans didn't have a catch in the first half. He did get a pass interference penalty. There was another play down the far sideline in front of the Browns bench late in the half before the suck-up field goal where it looked like he may have caught the ball, may have gotten his feet down. It wasn't reviewed. Maybe he was interfered with. So Mike had been targeted a couple of times, one of them officially uh, there, another one where the penalty uh, negates it so there's no play so it doesn't go down as a targeting stat, a fantasy football stat. But um, in any event, Evans finally gets this second half going and ends up with a record-setting moment. Play action, faking, dropping Brady, steps to the pocket, throws a ball down, got to receive wide open, Mike Evans' first catch of the game across the 45-yard line, and he's out of bounds near sideline. Mike Evans' first catch, he had targeted twice in the first half, his first catch of the game, and it results in a huge first down. Yeah, this is a play action, it's a deep out route, and Mike Evans gets lost in that coverage, and Brady's able to find him. He needed 28 yards to reach 10,000, 
That catch is 28 yards, if my math is correct. Congratulations, Mike Evans, 10,000-yard man. As you heard Mean Gene calling it 10,000 yards. And when you start thinking about it, uh, Evans, a rookie in 2014, if you just have a 1,000-yard season like five times in your career, that is consideration for the Hall of Fame. I'm serious. If you if you end up being a thousand yard receiver seven or eight times in your career, you are definitely a Hall of Fame contender. Somebody they're going to discuss in that room. That's a lot of yards, a lot of catches, and probably a lot of touchdowns over a large sample size. So ten thousand yards right now, as Mike Evans plays in his ninth season. That, that tells you what a weapon he has been, and the Bucs need to utilize him more. If we're criticizing things right now at 5-6, and six, get Mike Evans more involved. He is too good. And I know other teams might have double teams that they're trying to roll his way on some of the plays, but it's not all the plays. And frankly, we're going to talk about this in a couple of minutes. There were plays where Mike Evans is open and the ball is not there. The ball is not there from the GOAT. And he's got to be the first one to own up to that. Uh, on, hey, if I have him with a with a two- or three-step advantage on a DB, I got to hit him with the pass down the sideline in overtime. Or also in overtime when he's coming back to the football on a key third down and he's open in between two defenders and the ball is five yards in front of him in the dirt. That ain't Mike Evans, folks. You got to get him the ball. Find a way to get him the ball in the scheme. Find a way to get him the ball throwing the ball to him. Uh, that's not the only thing right now for the Bucks, but that's one of your primary weapons. That's one of the go-to guys to try to make something happen. All right, so on that same drive, the Buccaneers move into scoring range, get down inside the 20-yard line, eventually inside the 10-yard line, and here in this situation, get in the end zone. It is third down one. Play action, big dropping pass to the right side. Caught ball, Co'Keefe, touchdown Tampa Bay. Touchdown Buccaneers. Keith makes his first career touchdown grab. Wow, the tight end comes into play. Love that play and love the reward for Co'Keefe, who does a lot of the dirty work blocking, special teams plays, etc. The young man, a late-round draft pick out of Minnesota, gets his first NFL touchdown, as Gene and Dave were calling it there, from Tom Brady on the road in Cleveland. Incredible uh, that these young guys like Kate Otten or Keefe or Rashad White, who've grown up their whole life watching Tom Brady win games and Super Bowls in New England and Tampa Bay, and now they're out there running around and with him. Uh, so Keith kept that ball, and rightfully so. And at this point, you really felt like late third quarter, the Buccaneers are in great shape here after the Keith touchdown. They're up now 17-10. You can tune up the defense, and that's exactly what the Buccaneers began to do on this drive with back-to-back plays going after Jacoby Brissett and the Cleveland offense. And Brissett play activate dropping to the though He's going to be hit, spun around. He's dropped to the 30-yard line. First sack of the day by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Devin White, part of that sack as a couple of bucks got there, sandwiching Brissett. And as you're hearing Gene and Dave call this, the Buccaneer pass rush became more and more of a factor, including in this same series. They get after Brissett again. Here's the snap of Brissett dropping, dropping pressure. Hey, sacked again. We're hit up. Yeah, it was Neil that got him that time, along with uh, Logan Hall. Logan Hall and John O'Neill. Buccaneers with a pair of sacks, our first of the game, and the Browns will be forced to punt on their third possession of the second half. Logan Hall, part of that, along with Keanu Neal, uh, the backup safety uh, who's been in there, the veteran. So, the, again, the pass rush getting home as we have these highlights here from 98 Rock and Buccaneers Radio. You could just sense... All right, down there on the field in the cold. The rain started to fall again later on in the game. The Buccaneers have command of this game. You just need one more opportunity, one more score, a field goal, a touchdown, a two-score situation. The defense is going to be able to hold that up. Well, the offense over and over again just could not put that second scoring drive together, could not get in the end zone again. Again, after the Keefe touchdown, Buccaneer possessions, three and out, punt, uh, then five plays, 26 yards, punt. Then three and out, punt. Then three and out, punt. Not good enough. Not nearly good enough. That included getting the ball back one more time and trying to kill the clock late in the game here in the final five minutes. And uh, the, the pass rush of the Browns, they get paid too. They got home on Tom Brady here. Third down, 13. Mark to make the 30-yard line. Shotgun, look, moving right. Brady takes the snap. 
Pressure coming from the outside. He's going to be sacked to the nine. Donovan Smith just could not stop the pass rush. Bear in mind, I'm not making excuses. I'm just spewing facts on nothing but bucks. Miles Garrett's a former number one overall pick, and I know he beat Donovan Smith a couple of times, and Donovan Smith had a holding penalty and a false start. That guy wreaks havoc on a lot of people. I know you got to get him blocked. You got to double team. You got to do whatever you can. But they get paid too. And uh, there, Brady sacked, and that gives the Browns the ball back one more time. And now we're going to go over kind of the end sequence of the game here on Nothing But Bucks and what happened. One of the big things that happened is Nick Chubb got loose on a run down the near sideline in front of the Buccaneer bench, actually ran right by me, uh, coming left onto the left sideline. It ended up being a 28-yard run after the Browns got the ball near midfield. Let's, Let's back up one step. All right, while we're being critical of certain things, there was a key moment where the Buccaneer defense had gotten a stop on the Browns, had gotten the ball back, got the Browns to punt the ball away with four minutes to go. And Borokez, the punter, got the punt off, kind of a line drive, long kick, 57 yards, and Jalen Darden fair caught the ball at the 20-yard line. And he easily had 10 more yards, if not 15 more yards, running right through the middle that he could have gotten on that punt return. Now, again, Keith Armstrong is the special teams coach, the special teams coordinator. I don't know if there was a specific instruction to Darden. No matter what, you're fair catching this. Don't run and get a penalty. Don't run and and fumble the ball. That may have been the case. All right? I'm not copping out on you. I'm just saying you have to entertain the possibility that Jalen Darden was told, for the reasons I just gave you, we don't want a punt return. We just want possession of the ball. We want Tom Brady and the offense to be able to kill it. We don't want to be too far backed up. But again, Darden had plenty of room to maybe get 10 or 15 more yards and move you up to around the 35, where if you get a first down, if you get a first down or two, you're at midfield, and at worst, you're pinning them in again. So that didn't happen. You fair catch at the 20. You get the sack by Miles Garrett. The Browns now have the ball near midfield. Chubb makes the 28-yard run. We don't have that on the highlights. And that leads now to the end sequence. And I was saying this off the air at the time, and we did mention it on Buccaneers Radio, about saving the timeouts versus taking a timeout. So Cleveland is down 17-10 at this stage. All right, and this is second guessing, like what we can do you know, Monday morning on the internet, on sports radio, on podcasts like this, on whatever. Second guessers delight. So the Browns moved the ball into scoring range on the Chubb run, but they really got nothing after that. He got a one-yard run, and... Uh, They let the clock run. Cleveland still had a timeout left. They then throw incomplete, which stopped the clock with a minute 20 left. Now it's third and nine with a minute 20 left. And you complete the pass to David Njoku, and he's clobbered by Levante David and company. And the clock is rolling. So now the Browns are fine with that because the Browns realize either we're going to score a touchdown to potentially tie the game, Or maybe we're going to go for two for the lead. And either way, if we do score, we want to leave Tom Brady as little time as possible to do something after we score. So Njoku got tackled with 116 on the clock. And the Browns with a timeout left were content to just let the clock run. The Buccaneers and Todd Bowles chose to stand and not call one of the three timeouts, believing, hey, the game is down to this final play. This is it. If you are wanting to criticize something, I think it is valid and fair that you could have gone ahead and taken a timeout when it was obvious Cleveland is just trying to burn the clock. And it's not as if the Browns are confused and rushing to the line, so don't bail them out by calling timeout when they didn't have one. The Browns had a timeout left. And the Browns weren't rushing to the line. They had plenty of time to gather themselves and figure out what's the time, you know, what's the situation. It's a fourth and long. What play do we want? So the Buccaneers calling a timeout was not going to benefit Cleveland greatly. It was just going to stop the clock. And when you're forward thinking, everything you should be doing is how are we winning this game forward thinking. When you're forward thinking, if if Cleveland scores, I want as much time as possible, and I have three timeouts left, I want as much time as possible for Tom Brady to win this game you would take a timeout there with three of them left. I can understand if you have one of them left, you don't want to take your last timeout there because you want a timeout on that final drive. You had three of them left. So I understand the criticism, and Todd Bowles has got to answer to that more. He's a veteran coach, been a former head coach with the Jets. He's coached now with the Buccaneers for 11 games. He's got to answer that 
about the clock management and the timeouts, and there's more on that in a second. All right, so with all of that buildup here in the highlights, that leads to the fourth down play. And the fourth down play is a Jacoby Brissett throw to the back of the end zone and an incredible catch. Fourth down and 10 as they respot the ball at the 12. Brissett empty backfield, dropping, looking, drunking, throws toward the end zone. One-handed catch, touchdown Browns. Wow, what a catch. That was in Njoku. David Njoku, one-handed catch beneath the uprights and the catch Makes it 17-16 with 32 seconds remaining. Again, everything riding on that play and David Njoku, a former Miami Hurricane, left-handed stab in the back of the end zone, the very back of the end zone, right over Devin White. Mike Edwards couldn't get over there in time to break it up. Again, folks, the game is over. If he does not come down with that ball, somehow, some way, the game's over. They lose the ball on downs. They've only got one timeout left. The Bucs are going to be able to kneel on the ball and kill the clock, and the game is over. And so the Browns get in the end zone. And at that point, I thought they were going to go for two. That's world according to TJ down there on the goal line. They're three and seven. They're at home. They've just scored. I really thought riverboat gambler time for Kevin Stefanski, their coach. They had a couple of offensive linemen holding up two fingers going, let's go. Let's let's go for it on the, on the two-point play and win the game maybe right here. And again, part of their mentality, I'm sure, is they're looking up at 30 seconds on the clock and three Buccaneer timeouts and saying, Tom Brady's still got a chance to get into field goal range. Let's at least get the lead to maybe win the game. But instead, they went conservative. They kicked the extra point, And now the Buccaneers get the ball back. And again, this there will be some criticism of this. All three timeouts left the first play. I know you're thinking, don't do something disastrous in your own end after the touchback. But the first play is a little screen pass to Rashad White to see if you get anything, and he gets tackled, and you let 12 seconds come off the clock from the time that Rashad White was tackled until the time that you triggered the next play of the drive. You went from about the 28-second mark, 27-second mark, to the to the 17- uh, or 16-second mark. So uh, you let 12 seconds come off the clock when you had three timeouts left. You don't elect to take time out there, and again, Tom Brady's talked about this. Byron Leftwich has talked about this. Bruce Arians before. They love to run the no huddle quickly, the hurry up, keep the same personnel on the field. They, they practice that. They have a set number of, of sets and plays with that same personnel. They love to run that. But clock management-wise, I understand, like Chris Berman on the NFL primetime highlights for so many years, going tick, 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 tick. The clock is ticking, and you've got timeouts left. And that's even more maddening because then you get a completion to Julio Jones on a throw into coverage in between a couple of guys where he gets four or five yards after the catch, and now you do take timeout with eight seconds left. And you're at the 48 of Cleveland, and really you needed about 10 more yards. You really needed to get to about the 38 to give Ryan Suck up a chance at a 55-yard field goal. That's about the very limit of his range on natural grass, in bad conditions, no gimme of a play. So after that completion to Julio Jones, you now throw, and it's incomplete to Cameron Brake. Cleveland was ready for that with a double team, and, and Brake was only going to maybe get five yards anyway. You're maybe at the 43 of the Browns. It's now a 60-yard field goal from the logo at midfield. I don't like my chances on that very much. As good as Ryan Suckup is, he doesn't have the booming leg for 60, plus they can maybe block the kick, run it the other way. So the Buccaneers instead elect to throw Hail Mary, and it is knocked down. Uh, incomplete to end regulation. Now we go into the overtime here on the Nothing But Bucks podcast and you're still in good shape because you get the ball first and as we were explaining on Buccaneers Radio unlike the rule they've changed now for the playoffs an opening drive touchdown can end the game so you got the you got the coin toss, you got the ball, and you're thinking, could this be just like the Buffalo Bills finish in overtime at home last year remember Mean Gene, Paraman, Paraman, Paraman Uh, Screaming on the catch and run. A touchdown would win the game. Unfortunately, uh, even though the Buccaneers got an early uh, first down, uh, they got uh, a third down conversion when Miles Garrett was off sides. They're not able to do much more after that. They got the ball to Rashad White. They then threw incomplete to Cameron Brake. You know, let me back up a step. Uh, On the second play of overtime, for as much as you want to say about receivers not hanging onto the ball or the line not protecting, Folks, the second play of overtime is a bomb to Mike Evans down the Buccaneers' sideline. Very similar to the play in the Rams' playoff game last year when he beat Jalen Ramsey when he toasted him. He toasted 
that uh, that Cleveland DB had two steps on him. If the ball is there, that I mean, it's not a guarantee that it's a touchdown, but that's a 50-yard play at least. You're going to be at the Cleveland 30 or the 20 easily because Mike was by him at midfield. And if the ball is there and it's just thrown, overthrown, uh, I mean, that that is a chance to walk off and win. And we're talking about a totally different locker room, a totally different dynamic Sunday night. First place in the division at 6-5, and three-game three win streak. So, again, as much as the talk might be giving more time to throw, receivers hang on to the ball, you've got to make plays. Uh, even for the Hall of Fame greatest of all time quarterback, you got to make plays that are there. You're going to hear him talking in a few moments. You talk about uh, fish stories and the one that got away, the one that got off the hook, that one got away. So anyway, the Bucks are sacked and they punt away, but then, then it's a field position game. Because again, uh, as long as you stop Cleveland, you now have a chance to win the game with a field goal. Once both teams have possessed the ball, a field goal wins the game, and including the second team. Once the second team gets the ball, uh, if they have not allowed points, they can win with a field goal. Cleveland couldn't do anything with it, though. Buccaneer defense cranked up yet again. After a holding penalty on Cleveland, Brissett threw incomplete. He threw a short pass. And then uh, another uh, punt here for Cleveland uh, ends up uh, going downfield. And here's your penalty again. A 65-yard punt, by the way, by Borokas. And there's your penalty by Zion McCollum. Like we were talking about at the end of regulation where the instruction may have been to Jalen Darden, this is fair catch only. We don't want a penalty. We don't want a fumbled punt. Just fair catch the ball. In this case, there is a penalty, and now you're way backed up. And the Bucks were backed up, and Tom Brady can't get anything going yet again. Um, he did find Chris Godwin for the 14 yards, but then you try to run the ball with Rashad White. Again, they had the, the line stacked. They stop it. Then Brady throws incomplete again. To, uh, to Mike Evans, and that's the play where Tristan Wirfs was injured. More on that in a few minutes. And then you end up taking the sack and punting the ball. So now Cleveland has the ball for the second time. Time running down in the 10-minute overtime. Is the game going to end in a tie? Can the Bucks get a quick stop and the ball back? You've still got two timeouts left. The Browns eventually move into scoring range again, and the pass to Amari Cooper goes for 46 yards. Again, we're naming names here. Carlton Davis fell down. You're going to hear Todd Bowles talking about this. You got to stay on your feet. You got to stay in front of him. You got to stay on your feet. Carlton Davis is in man coverage. He falls down. D. Delaney did a great job to keep Cooper from scoring, but he got inside the five yard line, and that would lead eventually to the clinching play right here. High formation. Brissett takes the snap, hands the ball off the chop toe, close to the goal line. Did he get in? He did. Touchdown, Cleveland. A flag throw. Yeah, but it's offsides on the defense, and they're gonna they're gonna decline it. Buccaneers had a chance to win on the road. We go to overtime and fail. Uh, Browns. Unless they, unless they, they called Most it a time. dead ball. Defense. Well, let's see. That will be a decline. Okay. Nick Chubb with the walk-off touchdown. The former Georgia running back slams through the middle, and the Browns conclude an incredible comeback for them. The fourth down touchdown by Njoku, and then eventually on the fourth possession of overtime, Chubb wins it from three yards out, and the Cleveland Browns stun the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the 3-7 and seven Browns. The Bucs now 0-3, by the way, against the AFC North. With losses to the Steelers and the Ravens, and now to the Cleveland Browns, 23-17, and you're left to just shake your head dejectedly uh, there at the end of the game, as Gene and Dave were calling it. All right, so when this one was over with, not a lot in that uh, Buccaneer locker room, as you can imagine. A lot of dejection, not a lot to say. Let's hear from a couple of Buccaneers, including Rakeem Nunez-Roches, who did have a sack, one of the four sacks the Buccaneers had. He played tough in the middle of that defense. Here was Nacho, as he's known, about the game, the hard-fought battle, the overtime win by the Browns. Nacho, this was quite a battle. How much do you credit Cleveland for making the plays they made, including the fourth down catch by Njoku to tie the game? I mean, that was a heck of an NFL play. I, I, I just think back in uh, Pittsburgh when I seen that play to out of bounds, like sometimes guys make remarkable plays, you know, so you just got to tip your hat to them. This was such a battle, uh, including in the overtime with multiple possessions. Uh, just tell me about the mindset of this defense, because you got multiple stops in the second half and even in overtime. Uh, the biggest thing was just stop, you know, stop the run so we can get to the quarterback on the pass. But like I said, they continued to do things. They stuck around, and 
It just made plays. And it was just frustrating as a defense. You, like you said, you made stops, but on the other side, they made big chunks. And as a veteran for this team, you just off the bye week, you have to try to put this behind you and get ready now for the Saints on Monday night, right? Oh, yes, sir. It's all about short memory. Rakeem Nunez Roaches, thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. 23-17, the final in this one. And again, a very tough locker room, as you can imagine. This team was feeling so good about back-to-back wins, coming off a of bye week, had the lead in the fourth quarter, and it just got away. Uh, Nick Leverett was also good enough to stand there with me on Buccaneers Radio and our Hooters postgame show here as part of 98 Rock, Buccaneers Radio, and the Buccaneers mobile app. And the offensive lineman who got dinged up a little bit himself had something to say uh, here about this game and about not finishing it and getting the win. What a battle out here. It's a tough loss. What are your thoughts immediately after this game, in particular about opportunity up 17 to 10 to maybe not get the one more score that it would have taken to win this game? I mean, it's just can't let opportunities, you know, fall out your hand like that, you know. Um, you know, it definitely hurt. Um, we put the work in and, you know, we feel like we have a great game plan. We go out there and we try to execute. Um, you know, it's the NFL, every, everything, you know, nothing's guaranteed. Um, you know, every game going to be hard. But, um, you know, when we put the work in and we we so confident in, in the game plan and stuff like that, you know, it, it hurt a lot you know, to let it slip away like that. Then in the overtime, you guys had the ball first. You were moving it a little bit. You end up having to punt. You end up getting the ball back. There were a lot of things going on in overtime, including the wind and the rain picked up as well. Just tell me about what was a, uh, a wild and at times kind of bizarre overtime period with the Browns. I mean, it was definitely crazy. Um, like you said, the weather was, you know, all over the place. Um, you know, we kept going in and out. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, we got to execute. Um, we got to go in and, you know, get our job done and you know unfortunately we didn't do that um so all we could do now is reflect you know go back to the drawing board and you know get ready for next week and along those lines that's a division opponent and as much as this stings you will have a chance to get back to 500 against a division opponent at home that has to be the focus right absolutely um you know this game is over um you know all we can do is you know watch the film correct our mistakes you know go from there and then you know just get ready for the Saints next week Frustration, and again, Tristan Wirfs injured in that overtime as well, was hobbled. We saw him hobbling in the locker room, as the media was talking about uh, as well. Don't know the severity of that injury. Again, we released nothing but bucks on Monday morning here. Hopefully there'll be an update that it's not season-ending for Tristan Wirfs. The, uh, the Buccaneer team doctors and orthopedists will look over whatever that injury is to the left leg, and hopefully he can be back. I don't know. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not even playing one here on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. I don't know that he can be back from Monday night or even the San Francisco game with the leg injury. They carted him off. Maybe he can be. Maybe he can't. Maybe there's not structural damage. Uh, he rests, he rehabilitates, and he can play. Maybe it's going to be a couple of weeks. We don't know. Further update coming later Monday, later this week. There may not be an update till Wednesday or Thursday on Tristan Wirfs and the leg on whether he can practice and what's the severity of the injury. Nonetheless, it is a win for the Cleveland Browns. And again, on our Hooters postgame show, Todd Bowles, the head coach, not happy about not finishing this game off, to say the least. Coaches, uh, as we come in here on the postgame interview, let's begin with the end on this one. And how much do you credit Cleveland for being able to get the game tied, including with the fourth down play to Njoku? Oh, we shouldn't have let him down there. The run got him down there. But, you know, the fourth down catch was just a heck of a catch by the kid. So you get into the overtime, multiple possessions from each team. Uh, just take me through the strategy, and then the elements got a little worse with the wind and the rain. Uh, there, were a, there were a lot of different variables in that overtime and a lot of possessions, right? Well, we punted, they punted, we got them off balance, and they got us backed up. Uh, they got field position with the punt, and the field conditions got worse. We just fell down on a third down play. We can't fall down and give them a big play. Uh, a couple of the positives from this game. Chris Godwin is one of those. 12 receptions, 110 yards, a first-half touchdown. Assess how you thought he played, including some big catches in the second half. He competed. You know, he played hard. He competed. He was healthy. He was game. He made a bunch of plays for us. We just got to make more. Rashad White is another one who got the start today. Rashad had nine catches also uh, in this game. What was not good enough? I know you've not seen coaches tape. What was not good enough, especially in the fourth quarter when you were up by a score, to get one more score and maybe put the game away? 
Uh, third downs on offense, we had trouble all game getting third downs, and defensively, we got to get off the field when it has to happen. Um, we got to get off the field. We can't let the ball go down the field, and we got to make the plays to finish the game. We talk about it all the time. Tristan Wirfs, we saw, had a uh, an injury and was carted off the field at the end of the game. Do we have any immediate update on the severity of that injury? Not at this time. We know he got carted off and it looked bad, so we'll check on it and see where it goes. And for this team now, you'll have a little extra time because it's a Monday night game and it's a division matchup with the New Orleans Saints. What's the mindset? How do you regroup from what was a tough situation here to lose in overtime? You know, like next man got to step up and we can't keep making mistakes to lose ball games like this when they're winnable and we have them in hand as a team. We have to grow up and we have to make plays and understand that we got to execute if we want to go further than we need to go. Again, when you look back on it, you did some things well. Tom Brady was efficient throwing it, although you will say this is where stats can be misleading because you look at game stats in this one that say 29 of 43, but you look deeper at only 246 yards on 29 completions. That's not even 10 yards a pass. And when you look at uh, yards per attempt, uh, that's well under the average of yards per attempt, 246 yards on 43 attempts. Not nearly good enough. You're only you're only getting about six yards per attempt there. Brady sacked three times, did have the two touchdowns. And again, the run game, Rashad White had the 35-yard run, but he had, uh, you know, 13 other carries that end up with only 29 yards. That's not even, that's about two, two, a little over two yards a carry. Not good enough in the run game. And defensively, you allow the Cleveland Browns to get that clinching touchdown drive. Nick Chubb did get over 100 yards. Most of that, though, on the final drive and in the overtime. Had the 28-yard run on the final uh, drive of regulation. Had some more yards in overtime. Chubb only had like 60 yards late in the fourth quarter. So he ended up getting like 60 more final drive in the OT with the way that he ran the ball. Something like that. Uh, and Cleveland did enough. Give them credit. And Joku especially, that is an NFL catch. Like Raheem Nunez Roches was talking, like Nacho was talking. That's the NFL. You expect guys to make plays like that in the NFL on a fourth down. So uh, give the Browns credit to whatever extent there. But Tom Brady and the offense knew they needed to be better. Again, there were some throws that were there to be made. And Brady was obviously uh, frustrated after this one as he spoke with the media comes down, you know, at the end of regulation. So uh, I know it's frustrating, but what, what's been the ability to kind of separate more than you have? Yeah, we just didn't score enough points, you know. So 17 points isn't going to do it, and that's basically what we've been doing all year. So we just got to, um, yeah, it's like the same thing, you know. Uh, had a chance, you know, give them a lot of credit. They made some real clutch plays. Um, fourth down completion for the touchdown was a great play. But we had our chances, you know, we just – didn't make the plays, and they did. When a player doesn't make a team, but how crushing was it to see Tristan Wirfs carted off the field like that? Yeah, it's awful. It's awful for us. It's awful for him. Um, so it's, uh, you know, he's a great player for us. So the other guys in, going to have to do a good job, but, you know, it's hard to replace him. To so go from being up seven with the ball with a chance to put it away to go into overtime losing Tristan, how big a swing of emotions is that in a short amount of time? I mean, that's football, and, you know, we just, I wish, you know, we just, I believe you just, you do the right thing, and you give yourself an opportunity to win. If you do the wrong thing, it's very difficult. We just, too many plays where we're just not on the same page and just just not, you know, we're all not seeing it, you know, the same way, and we just got to work at it and talk through it and see if we can improve it. Well, with Godwin today, it seemed like you and Mike weren't, weren't the same. Any reason, were they covering him better or more than, than other receivers? Any reason why you guys didn't look that way more often? Yeah, I got to, you know, keep finding ways to get into the ball. Um, so, you know, there were just a lot of tight plays, a lot of tight plays. That we obviously didn't make any of them. One of the positives today was you've been able to, to find Coquif in, in the end zone for a touchdown. Just having, um, I don't know if you could speak to having a, a tight end that has the ability like he does to block. He was lined up as a fullback there and, and yeah. can catch the ball. He's got reliable hands. Yeah, versatile player. And, you know, he's been doing a good job for us when he's in there. You know, he's doing a good job. So got to keep finding ways to use everybody and uh you know we just got to figure out how to make some improvements in a short period of time and try to get back to 500. As a quarterback it just um how beneficial is it to be able to have a a player that has like like a tight end that has those kinds of of, you know multiple skill sets um when when it's 
you know, a lot harder to score. Well, it's, it's harder to move the ball, period, in the red zone. Yeah, it's hard, and I think that, you know, he provides, uh, you know, some blocking in the run game, and then we can about mm-hmm. in the passes, you know, he's catching the ball and doing a good job there. So, um, you know, just going to keep finding all the guys on the roster have to figure out ways to contribute. I'm not having Fournette, especially in this type of game, you know, with the elements and everything like that, and Rashad White, you know, he had a solid game. But, you know, how big is that not to have, you know, that key player in this type of yeah, I mean, it's important to try to get everybody healthy. And, uh, you know, who's ever out there, I don't, you know, I'm trying never to make any excuses. You know, we just, who's ever out there, we got to figure out how to get the job done. And we all have love having Lenny out there, and Rashad's done a good job for us. So, you know, we just got to keep trying to, uh, you know, get different guys the ball so they can have some production for us. Oh, they scored with 32 seconds, and you had a big play. Julio got across midfield. Yeah. We wish you'd had. Uh, use some timeouts in that situation down there when they were on offense. I know it came down to a fourth down pass, but you'd had a little more time instead of having to go for the Hail Mary there. Yeah, it was a tough situation. Um, you know, it was in the end, they just made the plays and we didn't. I mean, we had just opportunity, same opportunities to make plays that they did and they made them. We didn't. That's ultimately what football comes down to. Someone's got to make them and someone's, you know, for every play that you give up, on defense, they make an offense and vice versa. You know, they stop you on defense, you don't make a play on offense. So, you know, it's just every play is an individual win or loss, and, you know, we just were losing too many. We don't know Tristan's status, but obviously getting carted off is never good. You already lost Ryan this year. I mean, at any point this season, have you just felt like, you know, why? Or ask God, like, why? Why are things uh, kind of panned out the way they have so far? No, it's up to us to, to change the momentum. So it's just, it's again, I don't think you leave it up to chance. I think you try to do the right thing every day in practice and every day in the game. And, you know, you try to do it consistently well over time. And, um, you know, we just have not done a good job stringing enough plays together to score touchdowns consistently. Again, Chris Godwin, one of those guys showing up. 12 catches, 110 yards. And that includes Brady missing him. And I'm not, I'm not being overly critical. Tom Brady's not the only reason that you lost. The defense has got to stop him one more time at the end of the game, and the game's over and you win. But Brady had Chris Godwin on what Dave Moore describes as that skinny post that's going to be a 30-yard play or a 40-yard play or maybe a touchdown, and he just gunned it over him. He threw it five, seven feet over his head. And even Chris, with his athleticism leaping in the air, couldn't get that ball. Um, and you want that throw back. And I mentioned the throw to Evans in the overtime. The second play of overtime, the game is over. If that ball is there, I believe Mike Evans has got a 70-yard touchdown. So as much as, and I know Fox was showing Tom Brady getting on the receivers and the line, and some of that is him just venting and getting it out, and he has a standard of expectation on routes being run, plays being made. But TB12's got to look at a couple of those throws. There's a key throw on a third down in the overtime uh, as well where Mike Evans comes back to the ball, open in between two defenders, and the ball's not catchable. It's got to be there. It's got to be there all the way around. And by the same token, Carlton Davis, I'm again naming that name, can't fall down on the big play to Amari Cooper. By the same token, you can't let Miles Garrett get the big sack on Tom Brady. The little things that keep adding up get Nick Chubb tackled at the end of regulation. He gets out the gate on the left sideline and nobody's there to bring him down while he goes and gets 28 yards and puts you into scoring position. And the Browns took advantage. Not enough plays being made. That was kind of the theme coming out of this game in a 23-17 to defeat. Okay, so as we mentioned, you can look at this as glass half full. I know the loss to the Browns stinks. And I said earlier, I'm saying again to you, You're going to rue, you're going to regret at the end of this year if you don't get what you want, not being able to beat the likes of Pittsburgh and Carolina and Cleveland. You're better than those teams. You're more talented than those teams. That's uh, That's more about the Buccaneers beating the Buccaneers. But, folks, you still got six games left in the season here. And you got help from the Washington Commanders, who early on Sunday afternoon beat the Atlanta Falcons. 19-13. 19-13. The Commanders now look dangerous at 7-5. and five. Atlanta now 5-7. and seven. They haven't had their bye week yet. With the Buccaneers at 5-6, and six. so the Bucs still maintain the division lead and they have the head-to-head tiebreaker in that instance because Atlanta has one more loss. And the New Orleans Saints, by the way, who will come in here for Monday Night Football, failed to score in San Francisco in a 13-0 loss. Did not get to see a lot of that game. Again, I'm doing this Monday morning. I've only seen a highlight or two. But Andy Dalton, only 204 yards passing. 
Alvin Kamara did nothing on the ground. Seven carries, 13 yards. 49er defense, really good. Jimmy Garoppolo, efficient. Again, here we go again with yards per pass. Garoppolo, 26 completions, 222 yards. But they don't want him to throw the ball 400 yards a game. He did have a touchdown pass in the game. Christian McCaffrey got banged up in the game. He only finished with 32 yards rushing. McCaffrey also 17 yards receiving. So the 49ers win over the Saints. These will be the Bucks' next two opponents. But the Saints now 4-8, and eight, folks. Very beatable. Very beatable at home for Monday Night Football. Will they go back to Jameis Winston in this game? Or is Jameis in the freezer? Is Jameis benched for the rest of the year? Because Dennis Allen and the front office and everybody's concluded that Jameis is not a starting quarterback for them. And that's going to, you know, they're going to ride with Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill. Uh, in this, uh, in the rest of this season, a lost season now for New Orleans. I mean, they're on life support to even be in the postseason. They would have to win. They would basically have to win out and win the division uh, to be able to do this. I know they're going to take the attitude of, hey, we're, we're going to come in and win Monday Night Football, but I, I, the Saints don't have, I'm looking here at the recap of their schedule, do they have a road win at least recently? They beat Atlanta in the first game of the season. They beat the Seahawks, the Raiders, and the Rams at home. They, they don't have a road win since week one. They have eight losses in 12 games. Very winnable rematch game for the B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S. Go Bucks. Next Monday night, Raymond James Stadium. The only thing you can control right now is play better, play a complete game like you did against the Seahawks, and find a way to get back to 6-6. Six and six. Because if you do, you're guaranteed that you're still in the division lead with five games left. No matter if Atlanta wins or not, it won't matter for the Falcons. Because again, in the loss column, they have seven losses uh, right now. So doesn't matter for the Falcons uh, as long as the Buccaneers keep winning. And uh, the, the Falcons, by the way, will play the Pittsburgh Steelers at home next Sunday before we have the Monday night game, so you'll know that result as well. So just get a win. If you're the Bucks, regroup at practice this week. Hopefully the injury to Tristan Wirfs is not too bad. You may have to go to Josh Wells at right tackle or another option at right tackle. We'll see. But find a way to get a win next Monday night against those New Orleans Saints who are still reeling uh, right now at this stage as well. I know they've won a couple of games at home, but New Orleans overall Four and eight and very beatable and didn't even score a point in San Francisco. They've lost three of four. Let's see if the Buccaneers can make it four out of five and get back in the win column. All right, so there you go. That sets the stage for next Monday night. We will be on the air uh, at 7 with Buccaneers Radio, 98 Rock, all the Buccaneer affiliates, the uh, Buccaneers mobile app, Sirius XM, tune in everywhere else that you hear Buccaneer football with Mean Gene, Dave Moore, and me on the call. That'll be next Monday night. We'll come in on Tuesday with nothing but Bucks. hopefully talking about a win to be back at 6-6. Six and six. Hang in there, Buccaneer fans. There's a stretch run still to come. You get a win on Monday night. You've got everything in front of you to win two or three more games and win this division. Somebody wins the, a- the NFC South. Somebody has to win it. It might as well be the Bucks. And you get a home game if you win it. And it's not unprecedented. We've seen the Washington Commanders. We've seen the Carolina Panthers. We've seen the Seattle Seahawks with losing records win the division and get a home game. I don't. I want the Bucks to win every game from here on out. I don't know if they can get to nine or ten wins. It's looking like it might not be ten, but it can still be nine. You can still win four more of these last six games and get to nine, and I believe that's enough to win the South. So the goal starts with Monday night, the rematch with the Saints. We'll have that coverage for you here on Buccaneers Radio again, starting pregame coverage at 7, kickoff a little after 8.15 Monday night from Raymond James Stadium. For now, my thanks to Jason Berenger helping me with the highlights and the interviews. Thanks also to our director of broadcasting, Jeff Ryan. I am merely T.J. Reeves. Nothing but Bucks comes your way after each and every Buccaneer game. We're here next Tuesday after the Monday night game at home with the Saints. Let's see if things don't get better. If you don't play sharper, more fundamentally sound, let's see if it will be at home. A little home cooking, sleep in your own bed, get ready for the game, blah, blah, blah. Let's see if it doesn't get better coming on Monday night. That's the Bucks and the Saints on Monday. For now, we are good for this edition of Nothing But Bucks.